Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Friends Podcast, man. Thank you so much for coming through and listening yes, to sir. us today. If it's your first time, thank you so much for coming through, man. We definitely appreciate everybody coming in and listening and, you know, kind of checking out what we have to say, man. So let me Absolutely. introduce myself. My name is Matt, and I'm here with my co-host. My name is Rod. This is the Friends Podcast, so make sure you check us out on all streaming services. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Make sure you also check in at, at the Friends Podcast on Instagram. Engage. Talk to us. We want to hear about your opinions and if you think we're tripping. Yeah, man. We're here. We're here. Just engage with us, man. We're here for sure. Um, and we got to, um, usually we do solo podcasts sometimes where we just kind of chop it up between me and Rod sometimes. But today we have a special guest in the building today, man. So, Woo! so happy to have her in here today. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Erica Elon. I'm a visual artist, an entrepreneur, a creative consultant. Um, but my primary realm of art is painting. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah thanks for sure. coming through, man. We, we, can, we got so much to talk to you about art and, you know, you got photography going on. I don't want to, let me not jump too ahead. <laughs> let me not jump too ahead. We'll get into all that. <laughs> Uh, so let's kind of talk about our weeks first. So uh, I guess, Rod, go go ahead and go first and tell us about how your week has been so far. Man, it's always my week first. Uh, let me see. <laughs> this week, <laughs> it's been all about uh, networking, communicating, as always. Um, mm -hmm. I went to this new brunch spot called The Kitchen Step in New Jersey. Man, mm -hmm. the food was so delicious. I had this um, Eggs Benedict. Mm. Man, with bacon, and then the hollandaise sauce is what really kicked it off. Mm. That shit was so fucking fire. What about you? <laughs> um, you know, I always tell you to go first because I never have shit to say. To be honest, like I never really do shit. I'm at home, but actually, the last couple of days I have been going out. Um, mm. we're at Lake Ferndale area. Um, going to a couple bars, and getting too drunk uh, for no reason. But that's pretty much me. Um, how about you, Erica? What's been going on with you this week? Mm, I've been working a bunch this week, um, but yesterday I was up at, I've been um, working with this pop-up exhibition in LA by an artist, Glenn Caino, uh, mm -hmm. who partnered with the Karuk tribe in Northern California. And so I was up there and connecting with a bunch of friends and love seeing kind of the direction that that uh, is going. It's going to be up for another, like, at least few months. Um, so if you're in okay. LA... Go check out it's called the forest for trees nice and then so did you have like stuff for sale or were you just kind of there to support and, and kind of stuff like that yeah so um the company that i co-founded uh is running the whole retail portion of the art exhibition so uh -huh. i go up there usually on fridays and kind of check in and and you know connect with people and it's always it's kind of like a really organic show so there's a lot of like last night was a magic show in the space it's mm -hmm. this huge freaking warehouse that they did all this uh they transformed it basically into a forest within LA and it's really gorgeous and the magic show is pretty dope. So yeah. Wow. What's the audience okay. like there? You know, they're like every day is different, but we get a lot of kids and I it, it's just such a unique thing because Glenn is this freaking incredible installation artist. Mm -hmm. Um and this is kind of a new type of partnership and type of pop-up. Like, have you all ever been to like, or heard of Meow Wolf? There are these like really no, experiential, not, no. yeah, it's in Santa Fe, New Mexico, but there are these really okay. experiential um, uh, art exhibitions. So for this show, you come in and it basically takes you like about half an hour to go through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and there's these different elements to it. You hear different music. Um, a lot of the elements you can interact with in some way. There's fire that you can control with your hands. So the audience was really a huge range. It's a really fascinating kind of um, experiment in what immersive art looks like. So it's beautiful come to la check it out yeah that sounds great yeah definitely want to check that out you said it's up for a couple a couple more weeks you at said? least a few more months actually more it's months. gonna be it's gonna be a while yep okay mm -hmm. sounds good so i guess let's kind of go ahead and talk about like you know you you know erica so um let's let's kind of talk about like your beginnings and stuff like that so where are you from originally i'm from chicago uh, originally uh midwest and mm -hmm. yeah i 
you know, I grew up generally being encouraged creatively, um, but for a long time that didn't look like painting at all. Um, I was interested in a lot of other mediums, whether it's music or photography um, mm -hmm. or even like design. And um, But my senior year of high school, to avoid taking a gym class, because I was very unathletic, <laughs> um, I took an oil painting class. Okay. And that really changed the trajectory of my life because it really resonated with me and um, went on to college in Chicago and was thinking I was going to study politics and go to law school and all these things, but painting oh, wow. kind of kept being this way of processing those other concepts and community-based ideas that I was interested in. Um, mm -hmm. And so the the interest in like community organizing, politics, and art kind of kept like wrestling and going back and forth and. They still kind of do to this day, but um, ultimately I graduated undergrad with a, a double major in fine art and conflict transformation. Um, I then went on to be a two-time grad school dropout, law school, and an <laughs> MFA program. Um, and now I'm in freaking Long Beach, California, and I paint and help run a company and work with a lot of dope brands and artists. And it's a fascinating life <laughs> seeing how it all plays together <laughs> definitely sounds fascinating uh so like when you were like in high school like a senior in that oil painting class did you see this for yourself like where you are right now like how far did you see in the future <laughs> at that point not far at all <laughs> no but i knew that it like it became a language for me to process through pretty quickly and that was interesting to me um, because I, you know, before you try something new, whether it's music or a new instrument or whatever, you don't have access to that realm of understanding necessarily. And so all of a sudden I had this whole space of like different, a different way to process what was going on in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew that it was going to open up a new realm of things for me, but I didn't expect to that my life would be so built around it i kind of want to talk about um along the lines of high school you said you were making music what kind of music was, yeah. <laughs> what kind of music was it <laughs> oh <laughs> i would i'm like i'm talking to musicians um oh it i i'm like so nervous to talk about music because i'm not a musician but i it was really formative for me i think in learning how to um, express creatively. I had played piano since I was like four and a half. Um, and I always hated like, uh, what do you call it? Classical piano. Now I have a really deep appreciation for that, but learning in that structured environment never went very well for me. So finally I found a teacher that just let me write and do play by ear and do what I wanted to do and just play when I wanted to play. <laughs> um, so I think, again, like this idea of languages of communication and creating, for me, even though I wouldn't call myself a musician, that was the most formative piece of my childhood understanding of what it meant to create and to be open to um, like hearing things differently or expressing things differently. So, yeah. <laughs> so I write, I, I still write a little, but it, it's like a lot of like soundscape kind of um, very basic more emotive maybe boring thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay do you yeah. feel like that that kind of stuff translates though like because you know you're you're great at you know painting like visual art do you feel like it translates between like different art spaces like can you go write a great verse you can you go i mean you, you're you're a photographer too like how does that kind of mesh together being a creative yeah there's definitely a significant amount of overlap and I don't know exactly how it all meshes together, but I do know that when I'm, I think my work is stronger or like feels more holistic when I'm utilizing different parts of my creative world, whether it's like writing words or writing music, painting, doing photography, 
all those, they like feel like different branches of what it is to be an artist to me. So I feel healthiest and like I'm making my best work when I'm utilizing multiple of those, those spaces. Mm, okay. I like that. I mm-hmm. like that. Um, so do you remember like the first time, like, was it a moment when you were like, damn, I got it. I got it. Like, I got this shit. Like when you first painted that <laughs> first thing, like, was there a moment? I'm so not confident about my work generally. Um, really? Oh, wow. That's surprising. But, like, your art's really good. Well, thank you. Um, but interestingly enough, because you guys are connected to Michigan, do you, have you guys heard of Art Pride? No, <laughs> I have Grand not. Rapids, Michigan. It's this huge. They, like, transformed the city into, like, this. It's, it's kind of controversial. There's been a lot of weird stuff since because it's run by this family, <laughs> the DeVosses, and they're super sketchy, oh, whatever. God. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, years ago, uh-huh. I right after I graduated college, I did this piece for that show. And I do remember feeling like it, it was interesting. Like, so basically, they take the whole city and the whole city, every restaurant and every school and church and whatever is transformed into an art gallery for mm-hmm. the weekend and people come and visit and and like vote on stuff it's, it's interesting it's an interesting concept but they're just messy about it mm-hmm. um but i showed i showed at this church there um and it was a really beautiful space you like apply to get into these different spaces and i remember being up there and being like i loved being able to be by the work and see how the work encountered people it was one of the first times I got to see so many different people roll through and like stand and be present with this painting I had worked on for, you know, however many months before. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was the largest piece I'd ever made. And um, yeah, I think that moment was like, oh, all, you know, all these hours spent kind of in isolation and not feeling super confident about what it means to be a painter in the world and be putting dirt on a piece of wood and <laughs> calling it significant, whatever, yeah. trusting its significance. I saw how it was connecting with people in different and unique ways. And that felt really hopeful and um, in whatever way it felt successful. What so was the name that of that was art? Exciting. That was called Resemblance. Um, okay. It was of my friend Maggie, who I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And also, um, what was the responses that you received during that time? And how did it affect you and your heart? Yeah. I think um, I think I was really moved by watching people actually spend time with the work, you know, like to mm-hmm. like sit in front of it. And that's a concept I think a lot about in the making of it. Like I'm sitting here with this freaking work for you know, 75, 150 hours, whatever it is. And um, that's an important part of the process for me, this kind of meditative trust of that time and space. Um, But then to watch other people sort of have that like pause and experience in a day that's really busy and they're seeing a bunch of art and whatever, but like to actually be present with the work and take it in for something beyond just like, oh, that's cool painting, like, you know, they mm-hmm. um, actually had, whether it was like an emotional or spiritual experience with it, that like they're crying is, I mean, people have, cried. <laughs> I've had the cool, probably the coolest response to my work was in Seattle. I was showing with this, I, it was my first solo show with okay. this great gallery up there, um, Trees and Gallery. And um, somebody who was houseless lived outside, came into the show mm-hmm. and they walked around the space and I paint all people I love, like in my life, like my friends. Um, and they, they walked around and they were like, these are all angels. These are all angels. And they're just looking at the work. Wow. And then they laid down in the middle of the gallery and they <laughs> wow. just laid there looking around. But that is like, that is the most that's such an honor for anyone to have that experience. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and not everyone freaking has that experience with my work. Everybody's, you know, it's different for everyone, but the, it's hopeful for me to think that like, um, 
you know, anything that we're all, all of us are creative. Anything that we create can move somebody or like shift somebody's mental, emotional, spiritual space um, just by its presence and by its own existence in the world. Okay. Yeah. And kind of going to that spiritualness that you were discussing, um, Mm -hmm. we see that you had a podcast. Um, We're going (laughs) to get a little bit into that. It was the Create Well podcast. And you talked mm-hmm. about uh, about spiritual bypassing and the tendency yeah. <laughs> to use spiritual explanations. So we want to mm. get a little bit into that. And we thought that was very like interesting, like concept. We, we haven't really heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Ray and I. <laughs> so Ray and I have a podcast. Ray is an amazing musician. You guys have to hear your music. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, we wanted to do that one because it's something I think we encounter a lot. And I, I think... I mean, I'm sure you guys encounter it too. It's just, that's like a name for what it is, right? Spiritual bypassing. But I I tend to see it a ton in the white community of like, you know, there's this, and in like the wellness community of health and well-being and spiritual well-being, mm-hmm. this ability to move beyond, not move beyond, to cover up things that are real and difficult and challenging with some type of spiritual explanation rather than facing the important reality of what's happening. (laughs) So, you know, even, even just like, I think on our podcast about it, we talk about the phrase, like everything happens for a reason. Saying that to somebody can actually be really detrimental, especially when our world is so built on oppression and like structures of oppression, things Mm -hmm. don't necessarily happen for like some sort of spiritual reason. They can some often most of the time happen because the world is built in a way like in ways of power structures that allow some people access to some things and other people ask, you know, not access to certain things Mm -hmm. or some people Mm -hmm. safety in some situations and other people to not have that. And I think as artists and as creatives, um, I see this a lot with peers who have a lot of privilege in art spaces that there's this like, well, like I was just, I was born with this talent and like, I, you know, I've sold all these works and I work with all these galleries and it's like, Mm -hmm. they can easily, whether that's spiritualizing or just not acknowledging privilege, I I think they, they kind of run together often. Um, we can forget that there's actually like different structures that determine how life rolls and and by spiritually bypassing um we don't address the brokenness of those systems and realities um yeah and that's what i was going to ask you like so why i was going to ask like why is that dangerous is it because we're just not acknowledging the issues is it because is it like we're just backsliding or we're just not really getting anywhere if we just like positive about everything all day right. like, is that what it is yeah i mean the positive like the toxic positivity idea too of like mm-hmm. i i think you, you toxic named it. positivity like, it's like okay <laughs> toxic <laughs> positivity mm-hmm. well it's like uh yeah i think i think it can be dangerous because it can keep us from challenging structures of the world that harm people um and sometimes just on a personal level can keep us in our own life, not addressing some things that really do need to be addressed um, because we're, you know, kind of washing over them with um, a false positivity. So I'm all for being positive, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah. but um, I think um, if it means that we're not addressing what's really going on and, and addressing the roots of things, then um, it can be really harmful to both ourselves and the people around us. So. I agree. I agree. Yeah, because like Rod said, this is like a pretty new concept to me, um, you know, but my my initial thought was like, OK, you could be either super positive all the time or super negative mm-hmm. all the time. I feel like if you just sit back and, and analyze the situation, what it is, just react how it is. Don't try to always push it and make it. Oh, everything's fine. Like, you know, that meme where like that, that rat or that bear is just sitting there and like in the fire and it's like, oh, it's fine. You know, like yep. we can't do that. <laughs> You know, so nope. yeah, is it a bear or is it a dog? It is a dog. It's a dog. Yeah, <laughs> it's a dog. <laughs> it's definitely a dog. I just I just remember the fire to be honest. But um, 
yeah definitely interesting you guys have some interesting topics so like kind of talk about like how that even came about um podcasting was it just something like do you just love to talk or like how, how did you guys like come up with the idea for it yeah um so we met like right before the pandemic hit we both moved to long mm. beach california and okay. we had known about each other's work and whatnot and um ended up connecting on a photo shoot for the company i work with and um started just spending a lot of time together and processing both of our so she's uh kind of like americana folk musician um i'm obviously a painter and so we would have these like long discussions we would work out in the morning together we'd have these long discussions about mm-hmm. our trajectory as creatives and as young women in our specific industries and the challenges and the fun parts and whatever of of those <laughs> those journeys mm-hmm. and initially we wanted to actually write about it we wanted to write a book and that is pending but we okay. thought oh it'd be dope you know especially pandemic hit it'd be dope to you know talk about these and offer a resource to other young creatives um talking about the intersection of entrepreneurship wellness and creativity in a way that we never had access to or we never heard other people talk about so it's been really fun and we get you know i mean like you guys we get to interview our friends and like celebrate the work that they're doing and so Mm -hmm. it's such a fun way to um connect with people you seem uh, very introspective, like you spend a lot of time just thinking about your actions. And does that <laughs> reflect in your artwork a lot, a lot of times? You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it does, but um, I wonder if it's like the meditation. Do you do meditation uh, to get very you know, uh, into your spirituality? Um, for me, painting and the movement tend to be my meditation. I'm not very good at like a structured meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, can you talk about the differences? What what is structured meditation for people who don't know? Ooh, um, I think you know the. I'm, I'm probably a bad person to talk about this because I don't participate <laughs> in in more structured yeah. meditation. But I know that like at least for me when i think meditation it comes to mind kind of sitting there and like trying to let you know not be judgmental of your thoughts and um spend some time in silence and breath work and things like that which i deeply appreciate and see value in and -hmm. i'm not very good at doing it so i guess that is and maybe people are going to come at me and correct me for all that but (laughs) that's how i see structured meditation um but for me painting um is honestly not much different it just has this other element of of what i'm doing with materials and um element elements in a different way dirt which is paint and water mm-hmm. um and and even movement like um getting outside being by the water those things to me they're the spaces where i like am most conscious of my breath and connection to my body and the importance of like reminding myself of those things and then how my body and my mind connects with the outside world. So I guess that's like a personal practice, but. Yeah, I think that's super dope because it still allows you to be present. It's just in a different kind of way. You know, you don't have to like sit there yeah. at home with the, you know, whatever they do. I don't know what they do. No disrespect to the, to the, <laughs> to the, to the uh, no dis- to the structured meditators yeah, to the structured med- <laughs> meditators but um i thought it was like a stillness where you just like completely quiet mm. and you yeah. don't think about anything you just do you know yeah <laughs> like... i don't know it's kind of hard for me i've tried it before but it's just like you gotta you really have to like really block out everything in your mind and it's yeah. kind of hard to do that like when you when your mind is running a mile a minute, like you really have to like focus and try to do that. Like, I, I tried it and I was like, that was the hardest part to not think about anything. Yeah. Like it yeah. was hard to not think about me sitting here <laughs> yeah. doing nothing yeah. and just uh-huh. yeah. be like, man. Yeah. I think that's why like there's this painter that I met in college. His name is Guy Chase and he has since passed, but his work mostly he 
he would just count and do little lines and count all of them in paint, mm. little lines in paint. Wow. And to him, that was prayer. And that really made me think about the mark making that I was doing with paint really differently. And I think that's probably why, like, painting to me is an easier space to be less judgmental of my thoughts and, and be you know, more present. And because I'm the same, if I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sitting here, I'm breathing. I'm like judging everything I'm thinking about, you know? (laughs) So having that like other element or like movement to be able to engage with is actually way more meditative for me, but maybe I'm just less, you know, evolved than these very good meditators. (laughs) Either that or you crack the code. Maybe you just, you know, you know, you never know. You never know. Uh, as long as it's working, that's all that matters, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's kind of talk about. Let me, let me switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about like influences when it comes to like people that you're influenced uh, by. You know, as, as an artist, like, do you have like any super heavy influences, or do you feel like that may kind of get in the way and maybe like influence you too much to where you're doing the exact same thing as that person like how do you feel about that concept i definitely want to hear the artist stories like i love like when she like pull in some other artists and what she learned from it Mm -hmm. definitely yeah no i i have a lot of influences um of different mediums probably the most definitely the most influential painter in my life was my mentor over in chicago tim lowley Okay. Um, who's an incredible representational artist. Um, he mostly paints his daughter, Tema. Oh. Um, and uh, I could say a lot about him, but I would just recommend looking at his work. It's really profound. And um, the, the main thing I learned from him was the pursuit of humility in making and humility towards um, the subject of who you're painting when you're painting people. Because it's a... Mm. Painting people comes with a lot of baggage as far as the history of what it means to paint people and um, mm. the power dynamics of it. So, can, um, me, can I stop you yeah. there? So, like, do yeah, you yeah, mean yeah. when you say that? Do you mean like how back in the day it was like the people that were usually painted were like the upper upper mm-hmm. class, the upper crust of whatever? Is that what you kind of mean when you say that? Yeah, yeah, it, that's a huge component of it. Um, I mean, who had access to getting paintings of themselves was people in power and usually utilizing that power for whatever means they chose. I mean, freaking back before, you know, we had photography and videos and stuff, paintings were used as weapons of war too. Like you were communicating mm. massive um, political ideologies through what was being portrayed visually. And so, the history of painting is messy and like who is a successful painter is always, you know, obviously a very like, I say successful painter in quotes, like Eurocentric, um, power centric, um, white supremacist lineage. And so circling back to what I learned from Tim is Mm -hmm. this, um, to take all that into account and to not, you know, spiritually bypass all of that and be like, yeah. we moved on from all that. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, especially when you paint people, like um, the pursuit of humility is the really the most important piece of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Tim would be a huge painting influence. I've got, I don't know, I'm influenced by tons of musicians. Olafar Arnold is a soundscape artist that has accompanied most of my paintings um right now writing wise adrian marie brown is like blowing my mind and one of my all-time favorite thinkers and creatives um if you haven't read pleasure activism it's my new favorite book it's freaking incredible especially for artists i think pleasureism (laughs) yes okay okay interesting who who wrote that like i actually want to look that up pleasureism Adrian Marie, no, Pleasure Activism. Pleasure Activism. And it's by Adrian Marie Brown. (laughs) Okay. It's so good. It's so good. Um, uh, The Body Keeps the Score is another book that's really influenced my work about how our bodies um, are major components for healing. Um, 
yeah, those are some of my influences. <laughs> cool. Nice. So I, I kind of want to go into like the process of how you create <laughs> art. Do you listen to music or what do you do to get in the mold of making art? I usually light a candle and kind of like What's define saying? the space by that. <laughs> it changes all the time. <laughs> okay. I wish it, I wish I was like, oh, it has to be eucalyptus mint, but no, it's it's always changing. It's whatever's in the room. Okay. Um, but usually light a candle. I think like connecting to like in my ideal world, I'd probably have a studio outside on a lake somewhere and like be present with elements already. But because I live in Long Beach in a studio apartment, having like the element of fire, I think is kind of like a grounding piece of everything for me. And then you have to do like, there is this whole like ritual of like setting up the paint and getting out the water and figuring out what brushes you're going to use that day. Um, so kind of like, finding the space like that um, is helpful for me in framing that I'm going to be like focused and present. But then I listen to, I listen to a lot of music. Like I said, a lot of soundscape because sometimes the words kind of mess with me and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I listen to a lot of friends music <laughs> too. Um, and yeah, I'm like, I'll, I'll listen to pods also. And then I take stretch breaks. I think that's the most important part of my practice. <laughs> because when you're sitting looking at a painting for so many hours you need to move in between it so and like do you work on multiple works at the same time or do you kind of just try to focus on let me finish this first i definitely work on multiple pieces at the same time or when i'm doing my best work it's because i'm working on multiple pieces at the same time oh okay mm -hmm. interesting what's that stretch break like is it you, you, <laughs> you uh i just move like, oh, okay I know, like, well, like, <laughs> well, like, that's a really fair question. No, because, and this is why, and pleasure activism talks about this, Body Keeps the Score talks about this. I think, as creatives, I would venture and say this goes for musicians too. We don't think about the importance of our bodies and how we're making work. And oftentimes we can find ourselves sitting for long hours during the day and I'm, you know, I'm like hunched over, like painting, like super unhealthy for your back and your body. Mm -hmm. And many years ago, I forget what artist talked about it, but she talked about how she, during her painting process, thinks about her posture all the time. And it's really improved her studio practice. And I, it was like this light bulb went off for me that like, oh, I'm not actually taking care of or acknowledging my the importance of my body in making this work. So now I'll like, I mean, literally like, I mean, like stretch like an athlete or whatever would or like yoga ish stuff, even though it's not real yoga. <laughs> um, but, you know, just to like re engage with what my body's doing, I'll lay on the floor because that's really good for your posture and just like look at the work for a while. <laughs> okay. But I, I wouldn't be able to paint for the hours that I paint for if I wasn't acknowledging my body in it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Now, kind of talk about, I don't know the actual word for it or like how to even frame it, but like, so you know how like it'll, it'll be like oil on canvas or it'll say like basically the canvas that you use and, you know, the, the you know, however you put the paint on there. Can you, yeah. can you talk about your process on like where you began? Like I know you took that class. You said oil painting in, in high school. Like, but do you still do oil on canvas or like how is that process transferred or yeah. progressed over time? And what about some different uh, like um, paint styles? Um, have you yeah. tried other ones or is all the main yeah. one? Yeah, so I first jumped into traditional oil painting in high school. Um, and I think that laid such a good kind of intense groundwork because oftentimes you start with acrylic, which is a, a little bit more, um, it's not more forgiving. It's actually kind of harder, but hmm. it dries really quickly. So there's, there's less um, surprise with the process of painting with acrylics um it's okay. water-based um so starting with oil i think let me um 
like opened up the realm of possibility for me really quickly with what paint can do. Um, and I was initially painting on like canvases, kind of traditional, like the stretched linen, whatever. But when I got to college and I had this mentor, Tim, he was painting on all wood surfaces. And immediately the first time I painted on wood, like a hard natural surface, it felt like an important shift and I wasn't going to go back because I really like, like pressing the paint into the surface. And with canvas, you have too much bounce for that. Mm -hmm. So my process is really messy. A lot of representational or like people will say my work is realist. Um, a lot of those artists are very well-trained and really understand color theory and, they can paint in this way that's called a la prima, which is basically like you see, you know, the right side of the nose and it's this particular color. And so they'll mix the color and they'll paint that one spot and it's perfect and they'll kind of feather it out. And that's how they make this really realistic looking work. For me, I don't know how to paint like that. I paint <laughs> in like, like 50 layers to get to the point that it's at. Um, so working on wood allows me to, not only like grind the paint into the surface, but also all like sand layers out. Like, so when you, if you see my work in person rather than like on a computer screen or a little Instagram screen, mm -hmm. there's like a ton of layers and um, uh, like thin layers, but there's a ton of layers to it rather than just, oh, I put the right color down in the right spot. I never put the right color down in the right spot. So. <laughs> how do so, you yeah. get those thin layers like do you just like really lightly tap it with you know whatever you're painting with like how do you get those layers i do a lot of at the beginning stages i do a lot of scumbling <laughs> that's the technical term which okay. is like a pretty dry brush with um a good amount of dry paint and I literally am like pressing it and kind of digging it into the surface of the painting makes a really messy kind of texture look. And then middle of the painting is a lot of washes. So those are really watered down because I use water-based oils, whatever, mm -hmm. um, watered down layers of oil paint that I'm just like laying over the scumbling layers um, in different tones in different areas of the painting. And then towards the end, I'm using a thicker paint for a lot more of the details, like bright white highlights and things like that. Dark, dark shadows. and Yeah. Okay. You know what that made me think about? Um, I was kind of wondering, like, so, you know, I'm sure you have, like, a, a huge network of, you know, different artists and people that, you know, paint as well. Like, how often is it that people are just kind of, like, not trying to share tips or like you know like being interactive like that is it is it like oh i'm giving up the sauce i can't tell you that i'm scumbling you're like how how is that <laughs> they're gatekeeping all the all the art info yeah um you know it depends on the circle you run in mm. there and that's to be honest like the art world is very messy and i mm. think i generally kind of unhealthy place um it's changing like the last few years a lot has shifted in a pretty cool way but um that if if you're like working with like the high-end art galleries or you're really you know i don't know getting a lot of clout for your work there's definitely a good amount of gatekeeping that happens um and there's a good amount of like judgment of the different processes of other people um uh it just, there's there's so many different branches of our world. So I, I guess speaking specifically towards the figurative art world, representational work, which is kind of where my work exists within, um, there are literally different schools of thought of how to create a painting and how to paint people and mm -hmm. um, how to mix color, et cetera, et cetera. And so it gets really, yeah, you have to either like go to someone's atelier to learn directly from them um, and you have to pay them a ton of money to learn all their special secrets <laughs> or you're like cast out by this set of galleries and this set of artists. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. That being said, the circle I roll in does not gatekeep thankfully. And, That's good. um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it exists 
for sure. There's a lot of judgment in the art world and um, a lot of made up ideas of what art is or isn't or what's valuable or what's not. I kind of want to get into the conversation of do you actually go check out art museums and other people work? And does that inspire you at all? Or you ever look at some work and just be like, man, this is just not good. Uh, am I am I making the judgments? Um, no, I, I love to go and see other people's work. The best is if you can do studio visits and see not only the work people are making, but also like what their space and process looks like. I love that. Um, but I'm trying to think of if there's a time where it's like this is really bad work. I guess I don't go to a lot of like the blue chip galleries and stuff, the things that are like, you know, selling for multi millions of dollars. Although again, in the last few years, a lot has shifted and they're bringing in artists that should be seen more than Mm. like the kind of grandfathered in like um, nepotism artists. Um, But um, I would imagine if I went to some of those, there'd be stuff that was frustrating. Sometimes I'll tell you when I'm most judgmental, I think of art is okay. sometimes when I see public artworks that are just really silly. And I know that they made like tens of thousands of dollars for designing this very bizarre piece that goes in the center of some random city. So, and that would go for like monuments and stuff too, right? Like they're also, most of those are terrible. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not a fan of a lot of very expensive public art. That's when I'm most judgmental. <laughs> Now, can you t- let me take it back to so like um so you said you're in Long Beach right now in Long Beach area and like what made you choose that area? Did you you know kind of do research on it before? Or did you just kind of like plop down there just randomly? It's pretty random. Random, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I was on the road for a while. I thought I was gonna be in LA. I was like, I'm gonna go to LA and try out being a painter and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, felt like my work could resonate in LA, and I very, very accidentally ended up in Long Beach and gratefully so. Cause I think if I had landed in LA, I would have been gone after my lease was up my first lease or whatever. <laughs> um, but Long Beach is really different. It's super low key, um, really community oriented, super good people and good food and things, things that I value. Um, so it's been great. And I'm right by the water, which is, has mm. been important for my work. Yeah, definitely probably a lot of beach time and stuff like that. I would definitely say my time in California, Long Beach was one of the the most exciting places I went to. What what kind of food yes, did you eat? When there? were you in Long Beach? Oh, Ooh. this was probably um I was in Long Beach probably about a few years ago. When my father yes. he father used to used to live out there in uh Westminster, so I took an Uber out there and I just checked out the scene and things of that nature. Um Yeah. No, they've got great food. Honduran food. They have a really good vegan Korean place. Are you um, vegan? Some of the street tacos. I'm not. I'm like mostly veg, but um, it's like bomb whether or not you're vegan. And okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, the the fruit on the street is great too. So I'm a fan. <laughs> oh. Um, let's see. So let's talk about, um, like networking and stuff. So you, how did you even build your community? So was it just like literally, you know, people that you saw on Instagram, you like, Oh, I like them. So let me DM them right quick. And then kind of, you know, build a relationship like that. Was it like in person? Like, how was that for you? Like as far as creative community goes? Yeah. Like as far as your creative community, people that you just around all the time and kind of, you know, build off of. Yeah. Yeah, I I am a big proponent of like, I admire this person's work. I'm just going to reach out to them. Um, okay. I do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think we don't tell each other enough how significant and valuable the things that we contribute to the world. You know, like mm-hmm. somebody making a piece of work that moves me, I want to tell them. Um, so... I do do a lot of like cold reach out and that has led to some really great friendships. Um, But um, generally too, I, 
um, I mean, pre-pandemic would go to a bunch of art shows, go to, you know, hear music and be able to connect with people and, and network in that way and, and build real community in that way. Um, and then the other work that I do with entrepreneurship, I've gotten to make a lot of great connections with as well. Um, that translates over into my creative community too. So, yeah. Super dope. Super dope. Um, so kind of talk about like what the future holds for Erica. So like, what do you see or like, what do you have going on this year? Like this year, next year, like what's, what's about to be popping in the future for you? <laughs> um, this is fun timing to talk about because to be honest, over the last like four years, I haven't um, been investing in painting a ton. Um, mm. Different realms of my artistry, I have been super busy in and really enjoying, but painting has been kind of a difficult piece to come back to and continue to engage with. Mm. So over the last like month, I've been um, making more time and space for painting than I have in years. Nice. So I'm excited to be like back in somewhat of a rhythm with um, painting in particular and do have, um, I'm working on, I don't know that you could say it's a new body of work, but a new grouping of work that um, ideally I'll find somewhere over the next year to have a show um, around LA or Long Beach uh, and have some possible routes of that. So we'll okay. see. Dope. I know you said the book may, may be mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ray, Ray Sadagosa and I, who run Create Well podcast, um, mm -hmm. are working on a, a book version of a lot of the topics that we cover in the pod. Mm. Okay. I kind of wanted to go into, um, you were talking about festivals. And I was, mm. and a, a very popular one that I, I, I've heard of was the Burning Man. Mm. Have you heard of that uh, show? And it seemed like I've heard of it. Of yeah, it, it it does seem like super people that go to Burning Man and come back are like, oh, this changed my life, you know, and yeah. um, it's the seem to really, you know, <laughs> to really resonate with what all goes down there. Yeah. I have never been. Um, I don't know if I would go, but I do appreciate and I, I was talking to somebody about it, I think last week and like, I do appreciate it. It really seems to bring together people that are looking for a creative community and they find it there. And because we don't have a lot of structures in the world that lead us to those kind of spaces where we can really deeply connect with people in a creative realm, mm. um, it's pretty unique in that. So I think it, it can be a really good place for people to um, build community and, you know, feel seen and heard for, for what they make in the world. Why would you, why did you say uh, you wouldn't go? <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> I, I have my, I, ooh, you guys are trying to pull out my judgments of things on here. <laughs> trying to get you canceled. Um, <laughs> trying to get canceled. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's probably not my scene. I would, I'm also an introvert and like being in a desert with a bunch of people wearing these like, you know, fancy clothes and stuff really sounds stressful to me in general. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I've never been to a rave. I've never been to a festival. I'm like pretty low key. So I think I would be stressed. That's why I'm not going. <laughs> it does sound stressful. And it's in the desert, that hot heat and like you're outside, like people, COVID. Yeah. Like, come on. Yes, now. exactly. What it, after Coachella, everyone was calling it the Coachella cough, even though they all, we all know they had COVID. Like, right. This is not Coachella cough. <laughs> exactly yeah so that's okay that's interesting yeah I, I do i've heard about that too but i don't know like like i said there's a lot of drugs going on i don't really do drugs mm. like that like yeah, me either yeah. I've had crowds coachella. of people what would you say yeah. i said i had the coachella cough twice <laughs> that's all it was it was just from coachella uh -huh. so yeah um I think we can go ahead and just wrap this up here, man. It's definitely been a great conversation with you, Erica. I guess anything you want to leave the people with, um, you know, what, what do you want to tell the people, I guess, like your last final words on the Friends podcast? Also your uh, socials, Instagram socials and people where they can reach you mm -hmm. and see your oh, art. Yeah. 
cool. Yeah. Yeah. You can find my work um, on Instagram at, at Erica Elam. Um, and what would I leave people with? Um, I would just say I'm so grateful. I mean, I'm grateful for you guys for, you know, making the space for creatives. Um, Absolutely. The most hopeful thing is the creative imagination. Um, and so the more that we can like imagine new worlds and new realities through what we're, you know, gifted with the ability to do, mm-hmm. um, is the more we should, because it's so hopeful in a world that, you know, tends to not offer tons of hope all the time. So yeah, I'm glad you guys are doing this pod and, um, this is the kind of stuff that brings new things into the world and that's so important. So yep, you can find my work on Instagram, check it out. And I'm excited to see who you guys interview next. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so So much. So this is Erica. Um, make sure you check out her Instagram. Her Instagram is Erica Elon. So it's a lot of dope stuff on there. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very so realistic. So, how do you take orders? Is, do someone just like contact you? Or, <laughs> yeah, or like, that's, how, that's like, the real question. <laughs> that's the real question. So, I, to be honest, don't do a ton of commissions, like pretty mm-hmm. rare. Okay. Um, but I do have a few pieces available right now um, and uh, some prints available on my website and stuff. But um, I always appreciate the inquiries, always appreciate what you would imagine you want to get painted um, because it's just an honor for people to even consider my work to, to, you know, create something significant for them. So, yep. For sure. You can DM, email, all the things. Yeah, people definitely hit her up. Um, just even take a look at her work, you know, go ahead and gaze at it, try to interpret it, see what she, see what she was going for. Um, but that's been Erica. Thank you so much for blessing the podcast. And this has been The Friends Podcast. Man, check us out everywhere. We're streaming on all platforms. Interact with us. Hit us up. Tap in with us, man. Thank you so yeah, much always. for listening. Peace and love. Okay. We got it. Damn, you, you're not going to let me outro? Damn. Okay. <laughs> I know yeah, I was long winded, <laughs> but damn, I was trying to cover everything. It's Erica. But, uh, it's peace. It's love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's been the Friends Podcast. I'm, I'm going to keep it short. It's been the Friends Podcast, and we out. Peace out. Peace. <laughs>